I'm Jimmy D of JDLSAT.com, and welcome to episode two of the LSAT Habits Podcast. Uh, today, we're going to, the topic for today is a key habit that I really love, local before global. And for those of you familiar with LSAT speak, uh, those of you, the rest of you might be getting more acquainted with it, but by local before global, I mean local questions when it comes to the game section before global questions. Even those of you that are out there that are quite familiar, um, you may not be entirely sure of what I mean by local versus global, so we'll get into that. Um, but this is a key habit that I learned literally right before I got my top score. And I was already doing really well on games, but um, so I almost, from hard work, of course, uh, so I almost didn't implement this, but I thought, hey, you know, let me give it a try. And it kind of goes to this idea of always keep learning, always keep trying new things. And I'm glad I did because um, I don't know if it made everything, but it certainly put me over the top. And it's a key thing I teach my students from the very beginning. Um, if you're, you know, one thing I'll say up front, if you're, you know, doing okay on games or doing well, this will raise your... Um, raise your score. This this is something you can implement. It's very actionable. And you know, a lot of things take time. This is one where I think you can kind of see results uh, pretty quickly. Um, no pun intended, it's a game changer, or all puns intended, depending on your sense of humor. Um, but it really is a game changer. Um, and you know, just to be a little more specific, if I've got a student that comes to me and they're like, you know, I'm only getting two games in in the 35 minutes per section. I, I want to get to four eventually, but I sure as heck would love to get into that third game to start. This is something I could give them where, I, again, right, I don't, these changes tend to take a long time, but this is something where I could see someone who's getting into two games normally all of a sudden getting to three. And that's a pretty dramatic shift, or if you're getting through three games, maybe this will get you started on that fourth. Um, if you're getting all your games right, uh, getting through all your games, excuse me, this is something that will allow you to get through them quicker, um, have more time to review your work, and in turn, uh, probably maximize your score and make fewer mistakes. So, without further ado, let me get into how this works. So, one, let's define local and global. When when you're doing games, um, power, I have to give credit to PowerScore. Um, PowerScore, I think, uh, that's where I first learned the terms local local and global. Um, local means games that they, they, I guess probably the most uh, obvious thing is they tend to start with the word if. So they'll say something like, if Q is third, if L is in group four. Um, and so they give, basically they give you a new piece of information. Those are local questions. And the reason we call them local is they're specific to that um, new high, you know, new um, n new idea that they gave you that, hey, if um, if uh, Q is third, if J is uh, in, the, in, the, in the second group, um, hypotheticals, I guess. You could also think of them as hypothetical questions. Um, so it's very specific to that. Those are local questions. And it's kind of counterintuitive because when people see those, those are the ones I want you to prioritize first. And when people see those, they might think, oh, that's extra work. I, I got to, you know, I already have my setup, but this local question, you know, I got to add this new thing and it changes everything. Fair, 
but the way I want you to think about it is here's an extra clue, and I'll I'll give Power Score um, it's due because you know, one of the best ways I've heard uh, games described by by uh, you know, the founder of Power Score, David Cloran. I hope I'm not butchering his name. Lord knows people butcher my name, which is why I go by Jimmy D. Um, but Dave Kaloran said something along the lines of, games are like chaos, and your job is to bring order to chaos. There's so much going on. There's so many variables. You've got to bring order to chaos. And the thing about locals is they're giving you another piece of information. If I know that Q is going to be third, or I don't know, L is going to be in group two, then that's one spot accounted for, and that limits where every other player can go. So it's actually a good thing. So I want you to do your locals first. And what do I mean when I say globals? Every other question, pretty much. Like, they're not giving you another clue. They're basically saying, okay, um, uh, you know, when can L be last? Or when can uh, R be in group one? They're not giving you any other clue. They're not saying, if this, when can this happen? They're just asking you straight up, based only on the clues in the very beginning. So... Yeah, they're not giving you anything anything new to work with, and that means less t- less work you have to do up front. But you're all they're also not narrowing choices for you. So for those reasons, you know they actually global questions tend to be harder because you're not given new clues. So the simplest way I could put it um, is you know those questions that start with if. That's a good way to think of them as locals. Those are locals. The questions that start with if. Globals are every other question. And what I'm trying to, what I'm suggesting to you is that you exhaust all locals or if questions, if you will, IF, questions that start with if, before you do all the global questions. Questions that don't give you an extra clue. Questions that don't start with if. Um, so there is one caveat to this. I always want you to do that typical first question first. It's the one you're probably all familiar with. As long as it's a typical one. And, Pretty much they're saying which of the following is a possible order or which of the following is a possible grouping. Reason I want you to do that first is because, as many of you have realized, uh, you do that, you kind of tells you if you're on the, the, the right path. It's rather easy um, comparatively. Um, make sure you understand all your rules. And if, you, if it's not clicking, then maybe that tells you you made a mistake in your setup or your rules or something. So I'd rather you figure that out first. And it tends to be relatively easy. Um, and then you've got an example of, uh, of a, a possible grouping or ordering that you can use to eliminate other answer choices in the rest of the globals. But that, so again, we're going to do that first question first, but then after that, in all of our questions, we're going to prioritize the locals before the globals. If there's any question, I don't care if it's two or three and it's not a local, don't do it until you've exhausted all the locals, then go to any of the remaining questions you skipped at the remaining globals, and then do them. So, number of reasons why this is effective. Um, one, yes, you have to do, and actually I should say a disclaimer, you do have to do a, um, a what's called a local setup. You have to create an actual setup on a piece of paper specifically for um, that specific local question. And it might sound like extra work, but it doesn't take that long once you've got your master set up. And a common theme that you'll probably hear me repeat in this podcast and the way I teach is time invested up front saves time in the long run. So, yes, you're creating a local setup, but because you've got this new clue, everything else is limited. And so that's a good thing for you because 
Now you've got other clues that all kind of come together to get you that answer. So you're going to do that local setup, and you're going to save that local setup. So don't erase it, don't cross it out, save it, because we're going to use all of those later when we get into the globals. But in terms of this right now, these are relatively easy. Yes, you have to um, do that extra setup, but it's well worth it. Um, because they're so much more limited, it's easier to get a clear answer to these. So do that local setup for every local question. They come relatively easy to you. Um, and then get that answer and then you know go to the next local and exhaust all locals before you go to globals. Another reason I do want to say that it's worth it to do locals first is um, if you're really having trouble with a game, locals tend to be easier to do just in general, like we said. And so all of a sudden they make a game where it's like, geez, I was struggling, maybe I got that first question right because I could just go down the rules. Um, but if you do the locals, at that point, once you've exhausted all the locals and they are more doable than the globals, then you're halfway done. And that helps on a number of levels. I mean, one, you're halfway done. If you do nothing else, you got half the questions. Um, and maybe if, if, if you can't get any of the globals, you can get into the next game. But um, I think more important, it's going to... Part of this is building confidence, so that way you're in a better place mentally and you can think clearly when you get into those harder globals. Um, so again, that accomplishment up front is quite helpful. Um, but then, you know, again, uh, just to reiterate, we're going to save the local setups so we can apply them to the globals. Now, when you go into the globals, remember, they're not giving you any extra clues. There's no, hey, if Q is third, if R is in group one or whatever. Um, so when you get into those globals, all you've got is your original setup and any inferences that you've made. And, you know, if you work with me or you listen to this podcast, I'm very big on inferences. It's super important to maximize uh, your, your score on games. Um, we'll probably do a podcast on that at some point soon. Um, but, you know, you don't have any extra clues on the globals. Luckily, if you did all the locals first, you could look at all those setups and you could use any of the work from those previous local setups to eliminate answer choices. For instance, maybe you won't eliminate all of them, but you'll probably eliminate a few, uh, at least one or two on average per question, and that can really help. So for every global, um, if I could eliminate two, maybe three, then I've just got to narrow it down. And just for example, you know, let's just say it said something like, when can Q be third? You know, and then you go and you see in one of your uh, previous uh, locals that, oh, you can be third if these few things happen. And that could, you know, that could allow you to eliminate answer choices. So again, refer back to your local setups and see if any of them will help you eliminate answer choices for your global. And usually it will, right? And so instead of having to worry about five answer choices that you're between, now you've only got, if you eliminate two, then you're down to three. If you eliminate three, then you're down to two. Then you could brute force one of them and if it's the answer, great. And if it's not, it's the remaining one. But it really helps across the board. And, you know, let me just say, you know, you're not going to eliminate every answer choice. But you'll probably eliminate two on average, maybe three. And that's a really great place to be at because you just saved yourself so much time, which is such a big part of this. Um, you know, finally, let me say that there are some times where, believe it or not, I'll eliminate four answer choices just by looking at my locals. So if I'm doing a global, I could eliminate four answer choices just by looking at my previous work for locals. 
And that's amazing because then I've got the answer, right? The last one standing is the answer. I just saved the whole question. A local, uh, excuse me, a global question, which is quite time-consuming. So again, another example of, of how it could really save you time. Um, and then, you know, just a few other reasons that make this worthwhile. One, you know, I'll always say to my students, if you answer a question on something, whether it's a passage or a game, of course, like we're talking about now, you get this byproduct. By answering a question, the byproduct is now you have a more of an understanding of, of, of the question you just answered and all the dynamics that are at play there. So normally, fine, great, I understand it better, but I got the point, ideally, if I got it right and I move on. But here, the beauty of it is if I exhaust all my locals, they are relatively easier. I'm getting more comfortable with the game. I'm getting more comfortable with the dynamics of the game and how these rules and players interact with each other. And so I've got more of a working familiarity with it. And if you think about it, you know, you've only got a matter of minutes to really get acquainted with this crazy game and then answer really tough questions about it. But the locals give me a twofer in a sense. I can get them, get points, but in the process, I familiarize myself with the dynamics of the game. So then when I go to the harder ones, the globals, um, I'm in a stronger place. Yeah, and I'm going to need that strength because the globals tend to be harder. I don't have any other clues. But I've familiarized myself with the dynamics of, an, of the game, and I'm in a stronger place to, um, to, to, to sort out those globals because of the familiarity I gained from doing the locals. You know, and finally, just a few other points. Um, you know, the other point about all of this is that doing the locals first can be what's, you know, I think I might have, I might have alluded to this before. Um, they can kind of be a, a, an, an insurance policy if you haven't exhausted all of your inferences. I really encourage you to exhaust all your inferences. Um, I, like I said, we're probably going to do um, a podcast on this soon. But the bottom line is that if you don't exhaust all of your inferences, then you're going to be brute forcing a lot of these questions. Now, I want you to exhaust those inferences, but let's just say you don't for whatever reason. Maybe you miss one despite earnestly trying. Perhaps the effects of that inference will come up in the results of a local question. Like you'll see, you know, because you've got that local setup you can refer back to, maybe you haven't made the inference up front, but it's, um, it's reflected in one of the setups. So you can kind of get the effects of it. And I know that sounds a little odd, but some of you who are out there who have been working at this, you probably know what I mean. So maybe you won't know about the inference, but it'll be reflected in something so you'll kind of see the results of it in that local setup that you saved. Um, and then I guess finally, Time just is not only is saved, but I really want to impress this upon you. It's compounded. I was at a place where I was getting like negative two, negative one in games, maybe even negative zero before I discovered this. And it was only, a, I heard about it, and it was only a few weeks before I was going to take the exam. And I almost didn't do it, but I'm glad I did because it, in some ways this was sort of an insurance policy because, you know, you never know. Something goes wrong, you get a really hard game. If I can eliminate answer choices on my globals and in turn get the answers a lot quicker, then I save so much time. And then I can reinvest that time into other global questions that are harder within that game. Or I can jump into the next game sooner. So if I was going to do this game in eight minutes, maybe I've got it down to seven because I saved time. And yeah, it sounds like you have 60 seconds, but that time is precious. Not only do you save 60 seconds, 
but now you can reinvest that time into a question to get it done even sooner or a game started, get a game started even sooner. So it's not just about saving time and it is pretty significant. Those 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, they do add up and that is significant. You know, if you're doing these game sections, you know what I'm talking about. But not only do you save it, it compounds in your favor. So you're saving time and then saving even more time because you got a head start on a lot of this stuff. So for all those reasons, I really want to encourage you, try this out, local before global. And again, if you're not sure, questions that start with if, exhaust them before you do the globals, the ones that don't start with if. Um, the only ones I want you to make sure you don't confuse are the rule suspension or rule replacement questions. Those, those do start with if, um, but they're, they're not local questions, at least not in the context that I'm saying. So just that one other disclaimer, if it says something along the lines of, it's usually the last question, it's a real, it's probably the hardest question out there, they'll say something like, if the rule that says R is second is suspended, or if they say, if the rule that, um, you know, R is uh, second is replaced with something else, or something along those lines, they pretty much change up the rule, they literally want you to unbake the cake at the end because all, all these rules are dependent on each other it just takes the game and tosses it around it tosses it upside down you got to start all over yes they start with if but they're not local questions those rule replacement um rule suspension questions even if they start with if they're not what i mean by local questions so that's the only exception to that whole if characteristic but again local before global um i would I really urge you to do this again. I could sometimes the first day I'll work with a student that told me they're having trouble on games. Even if we're not covering games that day, I'll say, "Listen, try this. It's one of the few things I can do that you could implement tonight, and then you'll see a difference." And I, I really believe it. It'll it'll take someone who's getting only two games done and get them to three. Getting three games done will get them into four. Four games done, and you know, hey, oh, I've been getting four wrong, but now I'm getting two wrong. So again, you can see these kind of improvements. It's one of the few things you can implement immediately. It's a great habit. Again, my name is Jimmy D. My website is jdlsat.com. Also, a shout out to sevensage.com where I learned a great deal. Um, so check them out as well, sevensage.com. This is the LSAT Habits, LSAT Habits Podcast. Thank you for joining us and uh, hope you'll tune back in next week.